part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. So if you can, open your Bibles with me to John 17, verse 20 and 21. Going to be referencing a lot of scripture today, but this is going to be where uh, where we're kind of staying. This will be home base. Uh, so to set things up in this part of scripture, we've just had the Last Supper, and this is the time. This is the the last time Jesus will be with his disciples uh, before he goes to the cross, and he uh, he's towards the end of of what is known as the high priestly prayer. I was telling Pastor Bobby. Uh, this week that the, the high priestly prayer is so rich and has just so much in it. We could probably preach on it for an entire year if we wanted to. But what we're going to do is we're going to hone in on two verses towards the end, verses 20 and 21 of chapter 17. And so here we have John uh, telling us, uh, an eyewitness of this prayer, telling us what Jesus prayed for us. And he says, uh, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, there's a lot going on here, a lot of you's and me's and I's, um, but... um, Let's just let's go one step at a time and develop the, the facts of, of what's happening in these two verses. So the first thing is, who is Jesus praying for? He's not just praying uh, for the disciples who are there with him, but uh, for all those who would believe through their word. That's what it says there in verse 20. So in short, us. He is praying for... Everybody, the, the disciples who know him now, and everyone else who would eventually know of him through uh, th- through the disciples' ministry, and on and on and on. And then, what is he praying for? That we may all be one, right there at the beginning of verse twenty-one. So, in short, to put it in one word, unity. Now, uh, unity is a neutral concept. It is not necessarily good. Or bad. We tend to hear it mostly in good terms these days. Uh, we need to come together, or we can do anything if we all just work together. Um, but of course, it all kind of depends on what the use of, uh, or what the purpose of the, the unity is. Um, you should see a, a picture of, of, of an army. Um, there's, uh, the, the, they're all in formation. They have uniforms on. They're obviously working together towards some purpose. But So they are unified, but what are they unified in? And I think it would probably depend on what, if we had a flag to go by or something like that. If it was an American flag, we would know what they're unified towards. We'd probably have a decent idea. If they had a Russian flag, we'd probably have another idea of what they're unified um, about. And so what are we unified in? We are unified in Christ. Verse 23, uh, just a little further down just to, uh, in, in Christ's prayer, it says, I in them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity. Christ is, is praying for our unity and to be perfected in unity in, in Him. 
and through him to the Father. So how are we unified in Christ? Um, that is where a lot of this other language comes in, that uh, we are that, that even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so, um, so that the world may believe that you sent me. This is a unity between the Father and the Son and us being in them. It is not some unity in the physical church. It's not unity as cornerstone or some building or some denomination. This is a, this is a much more um, spiritual, almost a mystical unity that exists in the body of Christ. We are unified because Christ is in us, and by that we are united with the Father. That is through all time and all places. Ephesians 1.5 tells us that He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself. So through Christ's blood, we are now recognized as sons and daughters. This is our identity. When someone is adopted in court, um, the judge decrees that that child now belongs to that adopted family. The, the last name changes. The family tree is changed. It is like that child was born into that family from the very beginning. It is an entirely new start. One day when the parents pass on and their estate passes to their children and the assets are, are, are uh, divided equally among all of the children, that adopted child will have the exact same inheritance as any child who was adopted into, or who was, who was born naturally into that family. This identity that we have in Christ, this adoption then, is something that's permanent. It is something that, that, that we cannot take off. This is who we are in Christ. If we are Christians, we ha- this is what we are. Not sometimes, all the time. So what does our identity in Christ look like? What are the characteristics of our identity in Christ? This in itself could be an entire sermon series, but I'm going to just hit a couple... Uh, very important, um, not an exhaustive list, but, but but a list of things that that are the character that what characterizes the Christian identity, what it is to be in Christ. First of all, that we are loved. Probably one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There at the end, in Christ. Also, we are forgiven. In Christ Jesus, you are redeemed and forgiven for your sins. In Christ, we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness in our trespasses, Ephesians 1, seven says. We are also a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 We are also sanctified. 1 Corinthians 1.2 tells us that we are being sanctified and made holy in this new creation. We are constantly being, um, being perfected. Also, in our identity is that, is that because we are loved and because we have this salvation that we will also love. John 13:35 says that by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We also have eternal life in that 
in Christ Jesus, we have um, for the wages of sin, or Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And lastly, we have peace. In Christ Jesus, um, the peace of God will guard our heart and our mind. The peace of God, Philippians 4.7 says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All of these things are specifically said in the Bible that we have in Christ Jesus. Our identity in Christ as Christians, we have all of these, these things. So when we dwell on these realities, when we, when we consider this list of, of who we are, what our identity is in Christ, a few things need to be clear to us. We should have an eternal perspective. We can see that, that, that we have a heavenly Father. That, that, we, um, that we have eternal salvation and that this world is not our home. We recognize our fallen nature. We are thankful for the grace that has been given us, not for anything that we did, but was, was given to us by our Savior. The love of God should be spilling over us so much that we should want to love others with, a, with an inexpressible joy uh, that should always be part of our countenance. So we should be characterized by our love and joy because of these these other truths. And that we know the end. We know that Christ has overcome the world and we can rest in that. Now, that's that's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. There's a lot there. But that is the it is important in order to understand the context of what Jesus is saying right here for us to understand that this is our identity in Christ. This is not something we take off. This is something we always have. Those are the realities in which we live our lives. And so if we are all in the same family, if we are adopted into this family, if we all find identity in Christ, then what do we do with it? Well, we keep our eyes on the family mission. And the family mission is right there in verse 21 at the very end. So that the world may believe that you sent me. If the world is going to know Jesus Christ and how he came to save all sinners by dying for us on the cross, then Christ is telling us our unity is what will demonstrate it. Romans 15, 5-6 says that May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice Glorify God and uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that we would live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. That together we may with one voice glorify God. That is, um, that's Paul writing in Romans and, and echoing exactly what Jesus' sentiments are right here in verse 21, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So if this is our identity together, then how do we go about acting in unity? How, do we, how, how is this prayer fulfilled? How, how do we act in unity? How do we go about completing this mission? The first thing we have to do is we have to constantly be conscious. We, we have to always remember that our membership, our membership in the body of Christ. 
we, um, these are divisive times. Um, sometimes it feels like uniquely divisive times. Like somehow these times are somehow worse perhaps than other times. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, there's 2,000 years of church history that we can look back upon with all kinds of cataclysms and tribulations uh, that have existed. But I do think it is safe to say that these are unique times. And they are unique, especially in how they seem to feed our disunity. Um, you, disunity is somehow uniquely spread in this time. And I'll, and I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the main reasons is because of just simply the technology that we have at our disposal. Um, imagine thousands of years how rare it was to ever have an audience of a hundred people for you to say something to. I speak for a living, and I rarely still have a hundred people that are listening to what I have to say at any given moment. And now, every single one of us, we have a Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Snapchat, we have all these different things in social media, share buttons, likes, posts, all with the flick of a finger. We can share our opinion on anything. We can share our thoughts to, and just spread it to everybody else we know, and they can do the same to us. And so with this, we are inundated with voices. And what becomes very apparent are differences. And that seems to be the kinds of things we like to dwell the most on. TV, internet, radio, phone, all of those things are driving a disunity that, that I think is unique, uh, especially in, in the time that we live in. In my research on kind of looking up some of the polarization, I, I discovered that you can actually split grocery store brands between um, political parties. And that, uh, for example, one party overwhelmingly likes LaCroix seltzer water, and the other party overwhelmingly likes Diet Pepsi. So you can pretty much guess how someone votes based on those brands. Personally, I think they're both gross. Um, but it just goes to show that we can really just divide us on just about everything nowadays. These things um, crowd in, and, and ultimately, when, when you really start to think about this, all of these, all of these ways in which we're divided, what, what shows we watch, what brands we eat, what, what, uh, what posts we like, what, what our opinion is on this piece of news, um, all, ultimately, what, what, if you really just tore all that away, what we get to is that this world is falling. This, there will always be disunity in this world. In heaven, there will be there, there, there will be unity. It'll be unity to glorify God, and that will be all we want, and that will be enough. But in this world, that is not. That's just not where we live. How do we respond to that? Um, and I can tell you the way I respond to it is that I am very tempted to join the fray. We come at issues wearing different hats. Um, I wake up in the morning sometimes, and I, I'm an attorney. I put on my attorney hat. That's what I am. That's my identity. That's who. That's what I do. I have a lot of opinions, and, and, and a lot of things I want to advocate, and a lot of ways that that shapes how I view the world and view different issues that come up, what I think is right and what I think is wrong. I'm political. 
I got my degree in political science. Anybody that's known me for the last 30 years will tell you that I'm a man of opinions. I have very strong opinions, and God bless my wife that she has had to listen to a lot of them. But I'm also a husband and a father, and so that's another hat I wear. Um, I view matters on what is best for my family. What kind of society do I want to raise my children in? And what kind of world do I want them to inherit? And I'm also a Georgia Bulldog fan. And that brings me to uh, have a lot of views about sports. It brings me into uh, disunion with people like Jeff and Sherry Grant, who are gross Florida Gator fans. Um, But at the end of the day, how often am I... Am I wearing those hats with, while ignoring my Christian identity? Because those are hats that I can take off and on. But how often do I approach things first and foremost and only as a Christian? Remember, this is my true identity. The other things will pass away. But I am adopted into unity, into an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-encompassing creator. So Monday through Saturday, we wake up, we put on our our different hats, job, family, politics, sports team, whole milk, 2%, vegetarian, carnivore, boxers, briefs, Coke, or some other cola that doesn't taste as good as Coke. Those are the things, that's how we tend to go about our life, and then we just put on our Christian hat on Sunday morning. Let me be clear, none of those hats are, are, are wrong. We all have our different roles that we play, our experiences, our talents. 1 Corinthians 1.12 tells us that we are made of many different parts. We all have different skills. We all have different gifts. This is a... Um, we are never... Despite all of those things, we never need to conceive ourselves as anything other than part of the body of Christ. And there are many roles within the body of Christ, but it is all one body with one head. And when we remember this, we begin to fulfill the unity that Christ prays over us in John 17, 21. And this is vitally important because this is how people, what 17, 21, where it ends, is that this is how the world may believe that the Father sent the Son. But how mindful are we really of our identity in Christ? I mean... How quick are you to like or submit or post or share or debate or do whatever on social media? Are you doing so while being mindful of your identity in Christ? Or are you just joining a chorus of the world in outrage, in despair, in pride? Once again, it's okay to have opinions on all sorts of things and for us to, to disagree on a lot of, on a lot of different things. But we, as Christians in the body of Christ, should not be singing in harmony with the world. That's not what we're called to do. No matter what hat you are wearing, the first and constant one is Christ. And to prioritize anything else is to set it up as an idol. It is to deny Christ. Luke fourteen twenty six says that if anyone comes to me, And does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. We are not to value any one of those roles, 
any one of those, those hats that we wear, none of those things ever take preference over Christ. I am a Christian lawyer. I am a Christian husband. I am a Christian bulldog fan. Those are the hats I wear, but my identity in Christ is constant. As Jesus was about to go to the cross, this was his prayer for us. That we would be unified in him. And that that unity would be apparent to the world. So that the world would know who Christ is. John 17, 14, just before, just still part of this high priestly prayer, tells us that um, the world hates us. The world, is reject- the world is rejecting Christ and that it will reject his disciples as well. And yet, and yet, we are to be unified. And this prayer was for all of us. It was, it, when, when Christ prayed this, it was not just for the disciples. It was for this little appendage of his body that exists at Cornerstone Baptist Church in the year of our Lord, 2020. And he had full knowledge of, of the things that we would be fighting here in 2020. Um, I came across a meme recently. Uh, there's uh, a fun little graphic that was just kind of making fun of exactly how intense this year has been. And it has been a year. And it's only halfway over. Um, obviously, we've had the pandemic. The economy has, has been a roller coaster. Um, race relations have been an issue. And we still have a presidential campaign that comes in November. Uh, and, and never mind, as the, as the graphic shows, we could have all kinds of things happen between now and then the way this year is gone. This weekend is uh, July 4th, and uh, we celebrate American independence. Um, independence was only part of the struggle. That's what, uh, that, that, that's, if for anybody that reads history, you'll see that independence, um, the real struggle for independence was actually unity. Um, many in the Continental Congress were, uh, were trying to make sure that, that when independence passed, that it was unanimous. Anything other than unanimous would send a, a signal to Great Britain that we were not united as Americans and that they could possibly divide us and use that as a way to win the war and that they were somehow going to be facing an unorganized and divided rabble. But a unified America would be much more formidable and a show of strength. John Adams said that it would be like getting 13, strike, 13 clocks to strike at exactly the same time. And Benjamin Franklin said that we must all hang together or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. Unity is hard to come by, um, especially in, in times like now. So with our identity in Christ secure, with, us, with it conscious, with, with us knowing what our identity is, what do we do as a church? How do we, how, how are we unified? Well, the good news is that this unity is not something that we created. This unity is a gift from Christ. It is is part of our salvation. It is we are all covered covered in the blood of Christ. We are adopted into the Holy Family. That is is our identity already. And we, we are conscious of that identity. 
that unity should become obvious because we will be unified in the truths that I set out on what exactly our identity in Christ is. And so once we recognize that this unity already exists, then the first thing we need to do is we need to preserve it. Ephesians 4, 1-4 tells us that Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, uh, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. That's Paul writing in Ephesians. But Peter echoes Paul that in 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So the first thing that we can do for our unity is to preserve it by treating each other with humility and gentleness, patience, love, eager to maintain a unity of the Spirit, as, uh, as Ephesians said. I've been at this church for a long time, and I'm happy to say that, that I don't think this has been a particularly um, contentious church. I don't think that there's been uh, a lot of divisions, um, and I hope it's apparent to anyone who ever uh, comes into contact with, with CS, either through our doors or through any of our various ministries, um, whenever they come and visit, I hope that what they sense is a unified body um, overpouring with love and joy because we are all in Christ and we are all wrapped in the identity of who we are in Christ. Um, and this is also yet a, a, di- a diverse church, and that is also something that reflects the diverse nature that we have as people unified in the body of Christ. Um, one of my favorite things we've done in all my time here is the three six dinners. And the three six dinners, for those that don't know, were uh, was a we would have three different couples. There'd be an older couple, maybe more of a middle aged couple, and then and then the younger couple. And they would all go around to each other's uh, houses over a month or two and have dinner at each house. And the idea was that we do not need to be a church that sections ourselves off into different Sunday schools divided by age or anything like that, but that we are an intergenerational church, a unified church, and uh, and one that. Um, that is that is that is dedicated to, to the unity in which Christ prayed over us uh, in in seventeen twenty and twenty one. So we need to preserve this unity, a gift of which God has given us. We need to to be mindful of it. We need to preserve it within the body, treating each other well, and and always uh, looking for ways in which um, in which for us to to uh, dwell together in unity. And to celebrate that. Um, and then the second thing we need to do is that then that needs to be, we need to shine that out for the world. It needs to be uh, something that, um, that will be obvious to a broken world. We need to be a representation of Christ. So that, as it says at the end of 21, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Our unity will also um, it'll be a signals it'll be a signal for others to that, that there's a refuge here from a broken world from a divided world to see a world of such uncertainty anger injustice depravity something that that seems to to be magnified right now in our in uh, in, in, in 2020 
Instead, they can become part of a body that, that is just so obvious and, and in, in its joy and love and grace and justice. We are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, um, verses, uh, verse 14 tells us that we are the light of the world. And then, and then in verse 16, Christ goes on and says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Christ is telling us there in Matthew 5 that we need to let our light shine. For why? For the glory of our Father in heaven. In verse 21, chapter 17 of John, that the world may believe that you sent me. We are to be a light so that this is an, to draw such an obvious contrast from the rest of the world. The body of Christ is the lighthouse in the storm. We should not be tossed about like everyone else. We are the lighthouse grounded on a solid foundation, looking to guide others closer to us, closer to unity in Christ. Let them wonder how you could be so loving to such nasty people. Let them wonder how you can be filled with joy when there's just so much to be anxious about and so much and so much worry to have. I mean, how, uh, in, especially whenever it comes to the uncertainties of, of, of COVID and whether there's a spike and whether, whether things are, are looking worse today or better today, whether schools will open, whether businesses may go under. Let, no matter, no matter what the uncertainties of the world are, let them wonder, how can, how can you have such a joy still obvious in, in, and who you are. Where's that joy come from? Um, outreaches can be pretty tough right now, but opportunities abound for us to demonstrate our joy and, and love in Christ um, in the community. Um, people are thirsty for unity. They cannot, um, they cannot find it everywhere. I was at iServe Wednesday morning where uh, we were um, packing food and then uh, going to be giving it to, um, to some of the kids who, who receive food from iServe throughout the, throughout the year. And so we all gather together and, um, and pack the food. And it's a wonderful demonstration of the unity of the body working together um, as, as, as a light to the community. And there was at least one young man there who, um, just this was just my own personal observation, but he didn't seem like maybe he wanted to be there. Um, he didn't really seem to know anybody else there, and I think ultimately, uh, I think he was more there trying to, to, to perform some, some community service hours that he needed to do. Um, and I pray that, 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 I don't know his heart, but I pray that that was a, an opportunity for him to, to see a contrast in the joy that is in the body of Christ, in the love that is in the body of Christ. And that even though he could come there and see all kinds of different people um, working early on a on a Wednesday morning, um, as the as it was getting pretty hot and sweaty, that that it would be apparent of the unity of the body of Christ right there, and that verse twenty one would be fulfilled, that the world may believe that you sent me. The body needs to see twenty twenty for the opportunity that it is. See these times for the opportunity that we have
to be um, conscious of our membership in the body of Christ, both as individuals and then as someone who calls Cornerstone home, as a member of the body of Christ. Let us see this as the opportunity that we have. And let's represent the family well for his glory so that the world may believe that Christ was sent by God for our salvation and for our eternal uh, glory with him in heaven. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for, um, for our unity. Thank you for the gift that we have in being covered by your blood, being adopted into your family. Because you first did that, because we are part of your body, that, that we have that um, already secure. And God, I just pray that, that as we are, um, that we stay conscious of our identity in your body. Help us to be conscious of our identity in Christ and that no matter what hat we wear throughout the day, that, that, um, that, that our identity in you is constant. And convict us to always be uh, mindful of that, to be mindful of who we are in you. Help us to preserve our unity in the body and then to be a light to the rest of the community. And let, Lord, through that, that we would fulfill your prayer. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.